When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Samora and Max Mallow. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm joined by Max Mallow. And today we're continuing our mega multiple episode review of Midnight Mass, the best show of the year. And these next two episodes we're getting into, episode three and four, are some of the most important. So much happens and we're excited to talk about it. Yeah. Um, if you guys haven't checked out our interview with Crystal Belint, who plays Dolly Scarborough on the show from last week, go listen to it. She was an absolute blast to talk to. And if you haven't checked out episodes one and two um, of our, our review, I know I mentioned at the beginning of last episode that we would do three episodes and three episodes, but mm-hmm. it's it's too much to condense and do that much. Um, you know, if anything, we could do one episode per podcast episode because there's so much to break down. But um, we'll, we'll be able to condense two episodes and then we'll leave the finale to be its own as well. And yeah, as Natalie said, our show of the year. Uh, not enough praise we can give this show. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, when we do our end of the year celebration thing that we haven't <laughs> even talked about, but we'll probably do it. Um, yeah, it's going to be the winner because the show is amazing. Every episode gives you something at the end to keep you watching for the next one. And episodes three and four are, for those who thought it was too slow, or too much of a slow burn in the beginning. Um, you know, we left off with Lisa getting up out of her wheelchair and walking up to take the Eucharist during Mass. And from there, you're like, where's the show going to go? Well, episode three flips everything on its head and four sets us off in the direction of our finale. So I'm super excited to talk about both these episodes. There's a lot of amazing scenes to break down, some awesome plot devices. And, uh, you know, a lot of discussion on what the show's actually about and and the whole theme of religion and everything. And we'll get into it. I think we'll probably save a lot of our overall thoughts for the end after mm-hmm. we hear the finale. But we'll touch on some of them as we go through um, in the course of our review. But, yeah, episode three, book three, Proverbs. Every episode is named after a book in the Bible. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there you go. Like we're, we're both not really religious, are we? No, not at all. So, I mean, I've never read any any bit of the Bible, actually. So, Me either. Yeah. This is all new. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, episode three picks up right where episode two left off um, with uh, the, the mass at the church and everyone is kind of reeling and trying to take in what they just saw with Lisa, uh, who we all thought was paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of her life after a town tragedy uh she stands up and she goes up to father paul to take 
the Eucharist or the blood of Christ and the body of Christ. And uh, again, as soon as I started this episode, my jaw was still on the floor from what happened in episode two. Yeah, it's a lot to take in those final moments of episode two. And I think you're so right in that episode one and two are slower and then three and four kind of get you right into the action. And so I think the pacing of the show is so good. And I've actually seen some critiques of the pacing, which I don't agree with because just when we're getting a lot of confusing things in the first two episodes, episode three opens up and we're, we're getting answers right away, even if they're not completely linear. Right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of p- problems with the pacing at all. I think for some who aren't either fully invested in it or either like fully hooked onto it, I think they'll yeah. get like a little bored with all the monologues and stuff like that, which I can understand, but also just like appreciate how detailed the script writing is and all of the performances from the cast to get those words off of the page from Mike Flanagan and into a compelling scene, whether it's at church, somewhere in town, at someone's house. I think it's all fantastic. So, I don't know. If you have problems with the pacing, just consider it just like, it's all one big story anyway, you know? Yeah. Like, I would hate for there to be less of what was shown because I feel like everything we get in the show is super necessary to the, the, the plot and the character development. Yeah, completely. And I feel like, too, with all of the monologues, it all comes together in the end. And, like, every single word is on purpose, which obviously we'll talk about in the end. But this episode, like you said, it takes place right in the church scene. We also get um, a kind of a flashback from Father Paul um, going to confession. And we learn this is right when he gets to Crockett Island or he's about to go to Crockett Island. Um and he says that he's about to sin, which is always ominous. You never know <laughs> what that could be. Um, and you're like, you know, of course, we've talked about it. Everyone on Crockett Island is very trusting of this guy. But, you know, I was suspicious. Like, he came out of nowhere. So I was expecting this to be his his villain story. And we're going to get, you know, all of his motivations. And then actually he's an evil person, which isn't true necessarily, but we do start to get um, kind of his backstory and we see that he was planning to lie about Monsignor Pruitt, um, saying that he's getting better on the mainland and talks about how all of his sins and his lying will be for the benefit of people at Crockett Island so they're ready for the miracles to come, which is just straight up like cult language to me that was really really creepy to me and very effective yeah same um because i think as the viewer you're watching it and you're like part of you wants to be suspicious like mm-hmm. uh as like a first reaction and being like why is everybody on the island so trusting of him that's concerning to me yeah like maybe this guy does have some weird motivations going on um and when i saw this the scene I had to rewind it because I was like, this is really important. Something is going yeah. on here. I didn't fully understand at first if this was like, oh, is he doing like, is he planning on doing something really, really bad? Mm-hmm. Or is he lying out of the good of his heart because they don't want, he doesn't want to tell the community that their beloved Monsignor passed away or something like that. 
Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure where they were going with it. And then when it happened at the end, I went back and watched this again. When we get to the end of the episode, we'll talk about it. It's like brilliant, brilliant storytelling from yeah. Mike Flanagan in this episode. Um, and yeah, we get a little bit of Pruitt in Jerusalem um, with, you know, his, his, uh, his dementia kind of lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really know what's going on. Like, you don't know if Father Paul, like, kidnapped him and killed him or yeah. like like what exactly is going on and we both know because we've seen it but it's it's very um it's very tense in the beginning of the episode because you're like okay cool like maybe we're gonna get some answers about father paul because last we saw he was making uh miracles i'll say yeah uh, having uh this this young girl who's been paralyzed walk again for the first time um so yeah it's very uh it's it's very tense opening but we go back to the church and everyone is kind of flabbergasted really of what they just saw they don't really know how to take in the fact that um that lisa is walking again and throughout this episode we get one of the best parts of the show which uh crystal blint talked about a lot which is like the whole idea of religion and the, the contrast of being able to explain things in the real world and those who use religion to explain what they're seeing because mm-hmm. of their their faith and their belief, which I think is super interesting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that, you know, this episode definitely, I think, is, is a lot faster paced than previous ones. So we have, you know, Lisa walking. Everyone's, everyone's so excited and shocked, like you said. And just as that ha- is happening, Father Paul is getting weak and he's getting sick. He leaves the church and he's back at his home. He's coughing up blood. And Bev obviously, you know, goes after him. It's like, you know, trying to figure out what just happened and if he's okay. Um, and he he's not. And this part, I couldn't tell. I think she knew. She looks at a newspaper clipping and just stares at it to you know at the time i didn't think anything of it but of course now looking back i think she knew in that moment what was really going on yeah um bev is definitely suspicious of what's going on uh with father paul and and who he is or appears to be uh Mm -hmm. but i think for first time viewers as well when they're watching that it doesn't immediately give it away no which is really really good um and we'll talk about it but um yeah bev 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 can see things um Mm -hmm. which i'm sure she relates to her her deep faith and belief in in christ and god and and the bible which is like oh we get the scene with bev uh, we'll talk about in in this episode as well uh at the school and that's where Mm -hmm. like it cements bev for me as one of the all-time best just miniseries, horror, whatever you want to, like, genre you want to classify it into. Yeah. Villains. She is so good. Samantha Sloyan nailed this character um, and her motivations. But, yeah, a lot of suspicious stuff going on. Um, obviously, Dolly and Wade, uh, they take Lisa to Dr. Sarah Gunning because where else would you go after you see yeah. your, your once paralyzed daughter walking again? Um and Sarah is very much talking about the idea of a possible misdiagnosis, and they didn't know that you know she could have been healing this entire time 
uh, with mm-hmm. her spinal cord, and maybe that's what happened. That's where we get that that thing I was talking about, where it comes to people trying to explain yep. miracles. I say that you know again, quote unquote miracles um, in the real world, and the show does a good job at also like lending belief to that as well. Like that very well could have been the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the show doesn't like, be like, like brush it off and be like, well, she could have been healing this entire time, but that's not mm-hmm. really what's going on here. Like it does lend itself to a plausible theory, which I really appreciate. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting too, how, you know, they're asking questions about it. And Dr. Gunning is at the end is like, listen, like she's walking again this is a good thing. And it's kind of just like, all right, don't question it. Like, let's move on. And it's interesting because Sarah is very like, she's a doctor. She believes in science. She's not really religious at all. Um, So it's very interesting that she's kind of like, this is a good thing. Just, you know, be happy. Yeah. Like why are we trying to, you know, prod our noses into something too much. Right. Um, And I really appreciate that with Sarah's character because she is, obviously native to Crockett. So mm-hmm. it gives a good dynamic when it comes to the rest of um, the the people living there. Um, we get a whole uh, session with Father Paul and Riley uh, talking about Lisa, obviously at, uh, I believe it's at, is the it at the, Center. yeah, the rec center, um, mm-hmm. which is obviously aptly named after Monsignor John Pruitt, uh, which mm-hmm. we come to learn was potentially about Bev embezzling money from the oil crisis to build uh, the, um, the rec center there. And of course, if Bev was building yeah. it, she was going to name it after their beloved <laughs> Monsignor, uh, which is great. But this is uh, one of, I, I think I would say, top five scenes in the entire show um, because you get someone who was born on Crockett who went out and lived his life and messed up royally, like mm-hmm. the most you you arguably can. Right. Um, and is forced to come home, but he knows what the outside world is like, you know? It's not to say other people on the island haven't been off-island and experienced uh, the outside world as well, but the show very much gives an element of Crockett is its own community that lives and exists outside of the mainland, more or less. And Mm -hmm. Riley is uh, the perfect character here to talk to Father Paul and be like, you knew for a fact that Lisa would get up out of her chair because if she didn't, you'd essentially be running out of town. You might even yeah. be killed in town. Like, that. Yeah. It's, it's such a... And I'll use the, the term cardinal sin, right? Like, as a pun, more or less, because it, the show's really religious. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, like, societally as well. To, to do that to a woman who is paralyzed, or anybody who's paralyzed, and be like, Get up, get out of the chair, come, come, do this. Mm-hmm. In for uh, in a public setting, is the, the the ramifications of that not happening are yeah ridiculous. So I love this scene because Riley is just like, bro, explain to me what's going on here because I don't believe you. Yeah, and I think this scene complements very well other scenes and kind of like a main theme of the show that we keep talking about is of like how do you explain some things and are we just using religion to explain things that we don't understand? And that's kind of what Riley's saying. Like you can't just explain it to me 
you know, of saying God did this or however it happened. And, and I love their dynamic because Father Paul or Pruitt, whatever we want to call him, he like accepts that Riley is not religious and doesn't believe in God and he doesn't judge him for it. And he's basically just like, I don't have the answer you want to hear. The answer is I had a feeling and that's how I knew, but you're not going to accept that. So we can keep talking about it, but you're not going to accept what I have to say. And he's fine with that. Right. And we get this, this dynamic as well of father Paul, like, I guess uh would say like stereotypical shows I would expect of religious portrayals, right? Of the, of the priest, Monsignor, you know, whatever title of someone being skeptical of religion, they would be like the, the, the religious figure in turn would be like, well, let me convince you of the way and you should be religious. But it's very suspicious that father Paul is being trustworthy and like yeah. being ex- or accepting, I should say, of Riley's beliefs. It's like he almost knows Riley, yeah, which is like a little bit of foreshadowing. But it's it's awesome because again, I didn't know where they were going with this on my first watch. I don't think a lot of people will as well. And if you're no. a snob and you're like, I knew this all along, cool, good for you, two thumbs up, I guess. But it's. It's ma- It's like, again, it's a masterful monologue here from both characters and from uh, from Hamish just leading the way and di- directing the scene alongside um, Zach uh, Gilford. Gilford, Matt Saracen, QB1. He'll always be QB1 to me. Um, but it's, it's, it's masterful watching these two interact. It's my favorite interaction in the entire show, I think, bar maybe... Aaron and Riley. I love Aaron and Riley's interactions as well. Yeah, me too. And I feel like this show is so special too, because we get to see so many different points of view and, and beliefs. Like a lot of times if there's, especially in horror, there's religion and horror and it's kind of like negative and exposing religion. Um, or other times it's kind of like, uh, religion in like a cold sense. And you're just screaming at the TV of like, why would they believe that? Why would they do that? Whereas here we have Riley who would be like a me being like, that doesn't make sense. Like make it make sense. That's not how it happened. And you know, father Paul has an answer for it. And I think that having Riley and having Sheriff Hassan as well in this show is just so important just to play like devil's advocate and just to show like, all right, they are going against this, you know, the religion and the belief, the Island. So this is what happens, you know, with them not believing it. Yeah. Or, or even another point too, where it's like, uh, take something like the exorcist, for example, right. (laughs) Where it's not like extremely on the nose, exactly what this is about, but it definitely can be interpreted as like religion is the savior to what's going on here. Like we need someone to purge us of the devil or something like that. And this show dabbles with that a lot. But it doesn't fully go there and be like, yeah, religion is the savior, which is, again, like one of my favorite parts uh, about this show's like overall themes and 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 mm-hmm. plot devices. But yeah, the scene is amazing. I could watch the I could watch a compilation of all of their talks um, <laughs> because I think this one is my favorite. There's one other one which I believe comes in Later on. episode four. I think we'll talk about it, and it's again. Amazing, but I, I can't say enough praise about Ham- Hamish Linklater 
he yeah whenever the emmys come around and he he should be nominated he needs to win all the things um and i'm glad that they split it up into comedy and drama and do that stuff because yeah. i don't need jason sudeikis and brett goldstein going up against hamish link later that would be like my two worlds colliding uh <laughs> with with ted lasso and and midnight mass yeah, yeah, he's absolutely fantastic. He carries the show. So any scene he's in, I'm like, yes, we need more. And, of course, we get a lot more from him. Um, kind of the episode continues. Um, I, we get this good parallel, and we've talked about this a little bit, that these miracles are happening. The people of Crockett Island are happy, and everyone's going to church more often. But then we see Riley is getting more suspicious. And not to say he's more level-headed than everyone, but he's kind of an outsider looking in and he's seeing, you know, these things happen without an explanation. He's getting suspicious. And as we see kind of later on, um, that even though these miracles are happening, it's also complemented with really bad things happening to people. So we have Riley kind of like the, the one person just realizing that maybe this isn't a good thing. Right. Uh, and I appreciate as well that it's coming from a character who's been there before. You know, um, obviously an altar boy growing up who is very devout. Um, his entire family is still very devout. His younger brother is now an altar boy. So he knows that. It's not just like this outsider comes to town and be like, I don't believe you, Mr. Mm -hmm. Like, who are you? What are your real intentions? Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's a fun parallel to watch as these two go on. And, you, and this episode is very much focused on Father Paul's story like i would yeah. say if any episode was you know gonna break up and to be like this episode's about this character and this one and the show's not really like that per se mm -hmm. but uh this episode it does a great job at showing father paul as his i'd say uh what's the word i'm looking for i guess like uh reputation is kind of growing mm -hmm. in town because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the the townspeople are like, okay, well, if that happened at church, yeah, and I wonder what will happen. Yeah, like I wonder if what will happen if I go. Um, and yeah, some of the foreshadowing the show does here with the 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 miracles uh, it, are great, especially with uh, Sarah's mom, which mm -hmm. is um, very interesting if you pay you know very close attention to it and what's going on here, because of course he's been going to Sarah's house to meet with. Mildred, um, yeah. because she's obviously in, uh, incapable of, of going to church. So, yeah. Um, but as that stuff is going on, uh, we get this one big mess where it feels like everyone in town is there. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, like, Jesus, place packed. Uh, sold out, you would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Father Paul summons up with him. He's a little... Uh, a little woozy, he said again he's recovering from a, from an illness or something like that. Um, yeah. But again, just a masterful sermon acting, just A class representation yeah. here of Hamish. Um, but at the end of it, uh, my man takes a tumble. He falls <laughs> off of the altar, uh, and the townspeople are extremely shocked at what's going on. And immediately, I'm like, okay. Dude, what the fuck? Like, something's yeah. up with you. And I think this moment fully, like, put me on the, you're not okay. Something's wrong here. 
Oh, totally. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what I thought, but I was like, this guy is either not human or he's just dying somehow. Um, and then from there we get a little bit more flashback from that confession in the beginning of the episode. And we see Monsignor Pruitt, um, getting lost in Jerusalem. Like he explained in the beginning, he was in advanced stages of dementia and not everyone kind of knew that. So he's lost. He's kind of walking through the desert. Um, he's not in good shape at all. And he finds this cave that he walks into to take shelter. And you're like, all right, I don't think good things are going to happen here. Yeah. I'm just like, well, you're there. I guess this is the last we will see of you, Mr. Mr. Pruitt. Um, and later on in the episode, we're going to return to the cave. A little bit of a spoiler. That This part general genuinely freaked me out like i got goosebumps i was like okay this is scary like bleh, get me out of here um yeah. but yeah the the parallels here are awesome um this definitely feels i would say something like an episode out of hill house mm-hmm. because hill house did a job where every episode more or less was about a specific character as yes. we, we learned all of our characters uh backstories and this feels straight out of that, which I love because there's the flashbacks are meshed in really, really well into present time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I really didn't know what was going to go on here in this cave in the middle of nowhere outside of Jerusalem. It was very, very ominous, very scary. Yeah. Um, which is like, I wasn't expected to be super scared by this show, uh, which is, um, which is great because, like, those scares that you don't expect are the best ones. Mm-hmm. It creeps up on you, and I think that's why I love the pacing so much because it is such a slow burn, and then when it hits you and it all starts happening, it's like, what am I watching? And I can't stop watching it. Yeah, and there's, like, two or three jump scares in this show. And if you watched Hill House, you would know Flanagan basically reinvented the jump scare in that show. Like, he mm-hmm. was, he, those were the best jump scares I've ever seen. And I'm not advocating for jump scares. I think jump scares are crap. If your entire movie is based off jump scares, like, come on. Um, but the ones that he did in this show got me super good. Like, super, super yeah. good. Um, so, yeah, we're kind of left with uh, with Prude in the cave. Um, and we'll, we'll come back to him later. Um, but then, uh, you know, Father Paul starts to recover, yada, yada, yada. We move on throughout the rest of our day in town. And then we get... Also, a top five scene in the show, in my opinion, um, and also just a fantastic decision from Flanagan in this scene because uh, basically Lisa goes to confront Joe Colley, the man who put her in uh, her old wheelchair. Yeah. And I feel like at a point they could have like maybe decided, okay, let's get rid of this, like We've seen the miracle, like, let's just get to the other miracles now, and let's further uh, kind of speed up getting to the big reveal of what exactly is going on in town, right? But that's not Flanagan. Flanagan fleshes out most of, if not all of his characters in his show, which is, like, a great decision, um, Mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't drag on. And people might say, like, this is dragging on, but this is one of the most powerful scenes in the entire show. Because Lisa and Joe Colley, um, like, on the verge of just, like, me just being, like, breaking down completely and being like, okay, I, 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 need, I need help. 
I know, and I really love this scene too because, of course, Lisa is fantastic, and it, and she it's it's just amazing that she does this because I would not have had the confidence or you know any any feeling to do this, but it's obviously very therapeutic for her. And I love this scene because I think it's really good character development for Joe Colley. We kind of knew about him that he was the town drunk. He obviously um, had a terrible accident where he shot Lisa. And not like he was a villain, but, you know, I didn't have too much sympathy for him. But I feel like this scene in which Lisa confronts him and he's automatically crying and feeling terrible, it adds just a lot of depth to him that I didn't know that he had. I thought he was kind of just like an old drunk that didn't care about anything, but this really gives him a heart, which is, yeah, a heart. And it just makes him seem like he's very regretful for the things that he has done and he wants to change. It's just that he's an alcoholic, which is a disease. So I was really glad that they, they added this part. Yeah. And he's more or less a character that is in his own way of his own Mm -hmm. redemption. And we obviously got his dog dying last episode, which was like, a ridiculously heartbreaking scene, but again, it's for, it's for a character who we know put someone else in a wheelchair, uh, a young mm-hmm. girl in a wheelchair. So it's like the show makes you think a lot, which is yeah, awesome. It's not stereotypical, bing bang boom. Just like this is what the character is. Know it, hate it, love it, whatever. Um, yeah, and you know, I think another interesting thing too about like Lisa's original story is that like. They, they, the, the whole act is a little unsure, right? Like someone says, uh, it might be Lisa or it might be, um, Riley's brother, Warren. I can't remember. Or it might've been Joe or I, I can't remember who exactly says it. Says it. But yeah, I should just say what it is. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, um, you know, talking about like Joe was out drunk one night and some say he was like a hunting accident. I think they say it mm-hmm. is. But, you know, other people say he was just shooting to shoot his gun. Um, yeah. And there's also maybe the possibility that he just shot Lisa out of his own, like, spite, attitude, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you really don't know. Uh, I, I can't remember who says it. But it's, again, it gives you a lot of interesting backstory to Joe Colley's character. Um, and I think also the scene does a great job of showing just how powerful Lisa has become in such a short time with mm-hmm. her newfound ability of walking again, uh, to go up to Joe. Because I know you said, like, I don't know if I could have done that. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I could have done that. Um, yeah. Like, an extremely difficult and emotional thing to do. And um, she's... It, it gives off this idea of, like, invincibility now, this new fearlessness in the world because of mm-hmm. this miracle gift yeah. that, that she's been, you know, gifted once again. Um, and... It's awesome, but the the scene kind of ends with, you know, after Lisa has explained all the terrible things that she wanted to do to him, um, which I think is great. But now that she's able to walk again, she's like, I forgive you. Like, that's it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some people can kind of misconstrue that as being like, why are you forgiving him? Like, this is terrible. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. some people wouldn't forgive him. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's very interesting the decision they, they, they take with Lisa's character here to do that. And Joe just fucking breaks down in his trailer. And it's... Did you, did you cry? I was on the verge of tears. 
I actually don't remember if I cried. I probably did. I think I cried a lot during the show, so I, this was probably one of them. It was very, very emotional. For sure. Um, but yeah, a top five scene in the show, in my opinion. Um, and uh, and yeah, just uh, a, a great performance. Uh, apologies if I pronounced her name incorrectly. Anara, I think it is? Yeah, I know. I wasn't sure either. Uh, Anara Simone. Uh, she's going to be in Midnight Club, yes? I think. Oh, I think so. So extremely excited to see her in another Flanagan work because she does an amazing job. Um, because Lisa isn't, I would like in terms of like main characters, right? Like we de- we're definitely shown like Riley is our protagonist very early yes. on, and Father Paul slash Bev are kind of tweeners antagonists. Mm-hmm. You don't really know, and then you have the townspeople, right? Um, but this is Lisa's big moment in the show outside of her being able to walk again. And I think it was absolutely nailed. Fantastic scene. I agree. Yeah. I loved it. So we're getting to the end of the episode here. I know we have another, a few other great scenes to discuss. Um, so let's talk about the, the school scene, but let's take our first break and then we'll be right back and get into it. Cool. So I know we got to talk to Crystal Belin a little bit about this scene. Um, We're at kind of a a school conference and it opens up with Sheriff Hassan kind of talking about, you know, you can tell he's a little bit upset that the Bible is being taught in class. Um, And him and Bev kind of argue. He explains that, you know, we're not against the Bible. It's just that you're, you know, teaching this without without any respect for anyone else, basically, and without asking if, if you know, the Bible should be taught. And Bev is a just grade-A manipulator, like, so good at arguing to where she doesn't say anything, but she just shuts people up, which is just incredible. Yeah, and it's not even, like, whataboutism either. It's just, like, <laughs> twisting words and conversation yeah. and... um it's great because Sheriff Hassan stands his own ground and there's a, there's like a gotcha moment with him, yeah. uh, which is really, really good. Um, but yeah, this scene is again, I think in my top five, not maybe top 10 of the entire show. Like, um, Crystal talked about it a bunch as well, which made me realize something during our interview that when this whole conversation of separation of church and state uh, is going on here about teaching the Bible in school, Mm. um, I was looking around at the classroom to seeing how people were reacting to what's going on to try to get a feeling of what this town is like and what these town people are like. And Crystal mentioned that even Dolly at some point, because the dialogue is dominated by Bev and Sheriff Hassan, and Aaron has yeah. a couple lines as well, uh, Kate Siegel, but it's very much the Bev and Sheriff Hassan show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Crystal was like, yeah, I think there was a moment where Sheriff Hassan says something and she's like, oh, I didn't really think of that. Yeah. And there's one dad, I think, or one townsperson. I think it's the guy. No, I have to kind of mention this. I think he's the guy who kills his own wife later on in the show. Uh, I think. I, I don't remember who it was. You might be right. I don't remember. But I know what you're talking about because he's just sitting there nodding. Yeah, he's just like, he's nodding along to everything. And I'm like, dude, what are <laughs> you nodding you at? Like, I don't know what you believe. Please tell us. Um, but yeah, this whole conversation is... is kind of happening in town because uh, Sheriff Hassan discovers that Ali is studying the Bible at home or he had a Bible in his dresser or something like that. Yeah. And 
uh, Sheriff Hassan and Ali are devout Muslims. So Mm -hmm. he was a little concerned by that in terms of like why the Bible is there. And, and I say concerned in a sense of like the, of Sheriff Hassan's whole belief of not teaching the Bible in school. If you want to learn about the Bible, go to church. He has no issues with that. He just doesn't want that. And there's this whole thing that goes back and forth about the idea of teaching it and not. And this is just, again, a fantastic scene. One of the best monologues in the entire show. Yeah, and I think it just it just shows Bev's character, just like you said, twisting all the words around. I love how it kind of ends on, well, of course, um, Aaron steps in and tries to defuse the situation. But before that, it kind of ends on Hassan saying, you know, if I did this to you, like, da-da-da-da, you would do this. And Bev completely ignores that and just like, I'm offended you think of me in that way type of thing. And it's like, all right, this is going nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, um, and this all kind of coupled with the fact that Sheriff Hassan was a little suspicious of Bev to begin with because yeah. of what happened to Joe Colley's dog. Yeah. And he's kind of been sniffing around, and there's a scene with Joe and Sheriff Hassan at their trail at Joe's trailer where, again, I think this is before Lisa shows up there, mm-hmm. but Joe's like, nobody believes me, everyone hates me in this town for what I did, I'm a terrible person, why'd you kill a dog? Like, why was this done to my dog Mm -hmm. and Sheriff Hassan is like, Hey, like I believe you, like I have your back Mm -hmm. on, on this matter. So, uh, the, the, the seeds are being sown here between Bev and Sheriff Hassan. He's a little suspicious of the poison that's been going around here because obviously Bev was kind of spreading this nasty rat poison, uh, in response to all the dead cats. Um, and yeah, it's again, I have to say it, it's masterful story writing and telling from, from Flanagan. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, too, the nail in the coffin a little bit later on in the episode is um, Sheriff Hassan's son, Ali, saying he wants to go to the church. And Hassan is like, absolutely not. And he's like, everyone in town is going. Everyone at school is going. And he's like, that's not true. Not everyone is going. And I think that's, again, is just like planting the seeds of what's to come. So, of course, that's that's also important. Um, and another part, too, there's just a few other scenes that we can discuss kind of quickly before the, the big scene at the end. Yeah. Um, but we see uh, Mildred is starting to heal. She seemed to have dementia before, and now she's starting to remember things, which is like, okay, is another miracle in the making? Is this actually happening? Um, and then after Joe Colley had been confronted by Lisa, he decides to go to the AA meeting sessions uh, with Riley and Father Paul, which is really, really great to see. Um, and one of the most important parts is Joe and Riley walking home from the rec center and Joe kind of opening up to Riley. Um, and he mentions that his sister lived on the mainland and she passed away and he has regrets about that. Right. Um did this scene get you? This scene got me good. Yeah. Yeah, this scene, super emotional. Um, just everything that Joe was talking about and how cathartic he felt that this AA meeting was and trying to get him on the right track because of his conversation with Lisa and mm-hmm. his path toward redemption um, and the idea that if Lisa can forgive him, then maybe he can forgive himself and, and try to get his 
his life back on track after everything that's happened. Um, and there's still that kind of like skepticism in Joe's voice and, and the way he's talking. But at the end, Riley's like, hey, man, I'm really glad you came. And that mm-hmm. that for me was like, God damn it, you got me, you got me good. It's, it's that that for him is like that validation he needed that yeah. someone else in town really cared about him. Um, and I think it's like Riley and Joe can relate to each other. Like Riley had his his drunk driving accident um, yeah. that killed somebody, and and Joe had the the shooting that that paralyzed Lisa. So um, this scene got me real good. Another top 10. I know. I know. It was very emotional to see them bond because it doesn't seem like they've ever, you know, had a moment like that before. And like you said, they have very similar events in their past. So I'm sure that was therapeutic for the both of them. Yeah. And before before you lead us into the finale, I have to say the jump scare that happens out in the conversation between Sheriff Hassan and Ali, that one got me good. Because Wait, what was that one? I don't even remember. So they're talking about the Bible and stuff like that and yeah. um, religion. And about how he wants to go to church. And the the monster that's been kind of creeping around. Um, I don't know if we've talked. Did the monster already kill Bull? I think the monster did kill Bull at this point. Remember Bull was walking home. And Bull was talking into the house. And the monster got him. No. You remember that? Bull, the, the weed guy? I don't think so. I know what you're talking about, like, the monster with the cats and everything in the beginning. I think I think it's episode two, I think, because Bull's, like, okay. walking home, and he talks into the house, the abandoned house, and the voice echoes yeah. back at him, and then the monster gets him. Anyway, it's not important. We're on episode three. Um, but the monster appears outside the Hassan's window, oh, randomly. Yeah. That one, I was like, threw my phone in the air. That one got me good. <laughs> that one got me real good. And, you know... <laughs> You like you and I, we're vets, you know. Yeah. We five star generals of the horror genre, more or less. Not to hype ourselves <laughs> up too much, um, but like we know when jump scares are coming. Except when yeah. this when this guy Flanagan is doing them, they just come oh, out of nowhere. Yeah. They come out of nowhere. God damn you, Mike Flanagan. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about it obviously in a bit. But the season, the episode four um, ending scene that that sent me into oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> full-on nuclear meltdown (laughs) i fucking jumped and screamed but we'll get to that um getting ahead of myself the ending of episode three is when we get a lot of answers not every answer but it's a lot of it um so we have kind of bev uh sturge who is just another townsperson dolly and wade are at um father paul's home and they're kind of just discussing you know what's going on with him and he comes out and immediately just like collapses um and dies basically he falls on the ground and he's you know blood's coming out of his mouth and foam and you know stuff that indicates you're dying yeah very very graphic very gory very uh unexpected um yeah and very similar to what happened to joe collie's dog yeah that's true um and so obviously they're freaking out and we get to see what happened to Monsignor Pruitt, which, like you said, scary. Yes, this show is scary. Like, it's not it's not overtly scary like other movies might be, or like, like you said, there's not too many jump scares, but this is the kind of shit that I'd be laying in bed and just not being able to sleep because it would just come back to my mind. I saw a TikTok that my girlfriend sent me, 
<laughs> before I watched the show when she was watching it. I think it was after this episode or maybe episode four. Okay. And uh, the, the TikTok, the, the person was just like, this show just gives you that like, that like scary feeling you felt as a kid. You didn't know why you were scared, but you were scared out of your mind. Yeah. And this, this, this cave scene also got me super good. Because I was, like, I'm not easily scared. The conjuring, jump scares, that type of stuff, that'll get me. I hate paranormal shit. Um, but, yeah, this is one of the most tense scenes. This whole big arc between uh, the the our four characters, Bev, Dolly, Wade, and Sturge, uh, talking to Pruitt walking in. All the way to the end of the episode, I was just like, I wasn't sitting in a chair, but if I was, mm-hmm. like, I'd hate to see the, the marks on my on my armrests because they would have been they would have been dug deep. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, we're under the impression that Father Paul is dead, and then we get more of the flashback of Monsignor Pruitt in the caves. Um, and what happens is unexpected. Um, a creature. A very, very large creature with wings comes in. He's extremely scary. Like, his face is just not not a fan of it. Um, he comes and he eats on uh, Monsignor Pruitt, basically like a vampire. He's sucking his blood. Um, and eventually, um, it looks like Monsignor Pruitt might be dying. Like, that's the end of the road for him. But then the angel that we get to know... Um, cuts his wrists, and then gives him his blood. So that's when it's kind of like, all right, this is a creature with wings. I know this is something biblical. But then he's drinking the blood of his. I was like, is this Jesus or something? <laughs> Holy shit, it's Jesus. Are you Jesus? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the, the narration that goes over this as well from Hamish is like yeah. spot on. Just... Hamish, I don't know if you've done audiobooks or if you're listening to this, but like, please do. I'll listen to anything. Yeah. I'll listen to anything you talk over, my guy. Um, but yeah, there's this line about how when he was dying, Father Pruitt or Monsignor Pruitt mm. proclaimed his faith to God and to Christ, and something clicked in the monster's head, which was like interesting because then yeah. he kind of sits there, and you get this f- creepy as fuck scene and just still of this monster sitting there mm-hmm. staring at Pruitt and I'm just like yo move let's go let's get off of this scene like yeah. come on let's go it's freaking me out um, of what he says is an angel that has mm-hmm. arrived to him in his time of death ready to take him to the the holy gates or whatever yeah. and I'm freaking the fuck out I don't know what the fuck is going on here um and yeah, what happens next, Natalie, f- fucking blows my mind. <laughs> yep. So, like you said, we don't know what's going on. This quote-unquote angel, it looks like a freaking monster to me, um, gives him his blood. So we're like, okay, I don't know what that means. But what it does mean is that Monsignor Pruitt is cured. A miracle has happened for him. And he turns back into, you know, his 30s or 40s, however old he is. He is a man not an older man no dementia nothing he's just brought back to a younger state basically benjamin button and it's father paul dun 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 so yeah that's the big reveal father paul is 
Monsignor John Pruitt in disguise. Um, yep. You know, like you mentioned, the foreshadowing of Bev looking at the, the newspaper clipping on the wall also happens with Sturge in the beginning of this ending scene here as he's kind of looking at the, I think it's Sturge or it's Wade. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's Sturge. Um, it's just like, that guy looks hella familiar. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the John awakens in the cave, walks out and starts to head home. And that's the whole point of his confession. The confession was he lied that he was not John Pruitt and, mm-hmm. But please forgive him because of all the miracles he's going to bring to this town. John has come home to bless Crockett Island, which is, like, crazy. And you're sitting there and you're like, wait a second, my man just died. Mm -hmm. Like, what is happening? And we teleport, we teleport, we flash forward. (laughs) We flash forward back to, um, to the house behind the church. And Bev is sitting there holding... John in her arms, like bizarre that this has happened. I'm like, oh yeah. crap! Like, what are we gonna do here? And like, I zoned out because I was like, my guy's yeah. dead. Where are we going from here? And then he comes yeah. back to life and he jumps up on the screen. And I was like, God damn you, Flanagan! You got me again. <laughs> because like, I was like, nah, like he's dead. Like he died. What's what are we gonna do here? Um, mm-hmm. But no, he comes back to life. I should have seen it coming. I'm sure a lot of people saw it coming. But not me. And I'll hold my hands up. It fucking got me. He's yeah. undead, a vampire, <laughs> uh, a, the angel. He's Jesus Christ. We don't know what he is. Yeah, but he's Jesus. But it, it's, it's fucking amazing. It's fucking amazing. Um, what a bombshell to follow up on the bombshell of episode two. Totally, totally, yeah. Um, every episode ends on a cliffhanger and a, and a huge moment, and this is not an exception. Um, he comes back to life, like you said. And the final moments are kind of zooming in on that newspaper clipping that we were talking about. It's hung up on the wall, and it's a photo of him in the newspaper um, as Pruitt, and he's young, the same age that we see him now. And that was definitely a very shining moment. Just like Oh, a- super. Good call. Zoom in and like, here's the big reveal. And it's just like, I mean, The Shining is way more subtle than this. This is a lot, but I still really like that. Good call. Good shout out there. Yeah. He was part of the hotel all along. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and also another force, like, you know, we mentioned that Mildred is starting to get better as yeah. maybe one of the new miracles in town. What's also really interesting to note is that when Father Paul first went to the Gunning's house to talk uh, and give mass or, or do mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with with Mildred, she was like John, mm-hmm. and Sarah's like, no, this is Father Paul. And you're like, oh, like old woman. She's got dementia. Yeah. Like, of course, she would misrecognize someone from her past, right? Nope, she knew all along. She was the smartest one of the bunch. <laughs> yep, yep. Just because she was older and and knew him. Brilliant. Um, Fucking brilliant. It's really good. So let's get into episode four. We're going to have to fast forward. Another... We're going to have to go quickly through that one. We talked about yeah, it a lot. I know, which is another certified banger. So we'll go through kind of the biggest parts, which, I mean, the scene, the opening scene is freaking major. So yeah. we can get into that. Oh, man. Um, it just first 10 out of 10 on this episode. Yeah. Yeah, save 10 out of 10. One of the best TV episodes I've seen in a long time. Episode 4 is like 20 out of 10. 
20 out of 10. Holy shit. Okay, you're breaking your own skill. I'm just kidding. All, All right. right. I can't. Like, if you watch this, if you're binging it, you're still reeling from episode three. And then episode four opens up with an absolute, another huge bomb dropped on you. Um, we see Erin. We know that she's pregnant. We see her going to visit Dr. Gunning, who, of course, is her doctor. I think she's the only doctor in Crockett Island. And she's going to get an ultrasound. Everything seems normal. You know, they're joking around about Aaron not wanting to know the gender of the baby. Um, and when Sarah gives her the ultrasound, the baby is gone. There is no baby. And this is very like, do you remember in The Leftovers? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, um, oh my God. Uh, who was it? Was it... Um... I don't remember who it was, but I just remember like the the right when everyone disappeared, the baby like disappeared from the monitor. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it's um, God, uh, I'm gonna look it up because that's one of my favorite shows of all time. Arguably my favorite show. I can't remember the character's name. I haven't seen it in so long. It's um, it's stuck with me. It's Kevin's uh, first wife, Lori. Oh, oh yeah, it was. Yeah, and she. Because we get the, the baby disappearing at the very beginning of the show um, as well. But that's why we learned... Spoilers for Leftovers, sorry. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's the best show I think I've ever seen outside of this show. Outside of True Blood. Outside of Vampire <laughs> Diaries. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's why Lori goes to the GR. Because she was yeah. pregnant and Kevin didn't know about it. And it's devastating. Lori's baby vanished in the, in, the big, uh, in the big thing in that show. The so. snap. The snap. Uh, did, the snap. But it's not Thanos. <laughs> what the hell? I know. That's what I was trying to say. Though. I know. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, this scene, um, man, like immediately you get this reveal of John being Paul being John. John is Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul is John. Ihorn is Finkel. Um, and you're like, okay, so he's not a good guy. There's something wrong with him. He's, yeah. he's evil. Um, and we immediately get the fact that Aaron's baby has just fucking vanished from her stomach, which is terrifying. Freaked me out. Um, what she thought was a routine checkup is arguably one of the worst days, if not the worst day of her entire life. Um, mm-hmm. And a fantastic way to kick off the next arc of our show. Oh, totally, yeah. And I think this is kind of when, you know, we knew, like I said, Riley is suspicious of everything going on in town. As a viewer, I was suspicious, but like, okay, we're seeing miracles happen. But then also, this really terrible thing just happened to Aaron, who is the sweetest person and one of the best characters. So that's really messed up. Um, And at that point, we don't get any explanation. Dr. Gunning is just as shocked as Aaron. Aaron is understandably devastated and very angry, which is a common, you know, that would make sense. Um, And then we get a few other scenes that we can kind of run through kind of quickly. Riley and his dad, Ed, who's played by Henry Thomas, who I absolutely love. Um, They have a bit of a heart to heart. They go out on the boat and they kind of you know, speak their grievances because they've always had kind of tension since Riley left Crockett Island. And then of course he went to jail. So that was a big point uh, of their conversation. And Ed kind of saying, you know, I held resentment for you because of X, Y, and Z. Let's get through this. So that was great because you could tell that Riley was uncomfortable in his home and his dad's kind of disapproval or 
judgments towards him was a big part of that because his mom was definitely very, very supportive. So great, very cute. Um, another point that we get is um, Mildred is continuing to get better, which Sarah is just, again, shocked at. But one thing that does happen, which we'll get in later episodes, is that um, Sarah's kind of talking to Mildred, and behind her she has some blood samples, and one of them just starts to boil and then explodes. And obviously Sarah doesn't know what's going on, and neither do we. Um, But that's definitely something that we will get an answer for. So stay tuned on that. But I guess the next part we do have to talk to talk about a little bit is Aaron and Riley's big scene. Yeah. Um, Aaron comes clean to Riley about what happened with the baby um, and her mom, which is a very powerful scene. Uh, This is a very long scene. Yeah. Um, So kind of buckle up uh, as a viewer, (laughs) if you haven't seen it yet or well, Mm -hmm. you watch the episode and then listen to this, but yeah, yeah, very, very long scene here, but um, a couple big things is they pray together. Riley, for the first time, uh, prays um, in, in his, uh, what'd you say? Adulthood. Yeah. Like an adult. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, being religious outside of church again. Uh, we thought he was an atheist, but um, clearly he cares a lot for Aaron. Um, without bleeding too much into like, oh, he likes her. Mm-hmm. Like he just seems like he wants to be there for her. And he really appreciates how much she's been there for him since he's come back to Crockett, which is awesome. Um, and uh, we get this this monologue here, which is revisited in episode five, which we'll talk about, uh, which is also brilliant and a top fiver, um, which Aaron talks about uh, religion and what happens after you die. And it's it's brilliant. Did this scene get you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially when she was also talking about her mom and her baby. And she was kind of saying how she like ruined her mom's life, but her baby was going to save her. Right. And she talked about kind of how her mom had this idea of like tragic things are just going to happen to you. It's like inevitable. And so, of course, that's what she's thinking about after she loses her baby. And it was still interesting, too, that, you know, this horrible thing's happened to her. I'm sure she's not processing it fully yet. But when they talk about religion, when they talk about what they die, Riley is very much like, that's it. This is what happens. And Aaron's idea of it is a lot more beautiful, which I would be surprised about. If that happened to me, I'd be like, screw this. I don't believe in this anymore. Yeah. Um <laughs> Very interesting dynamic to see a character who we've been with since the beginning, who after what happened to him has given up on religion, mm-hmm. and uh, Aaron, who has been religious, has stayed religious, had this terrible thing happen to her, and it seems like she believes in it m- more now than ever. Um, yeah, and growing up, she didn't believe in religion. That was a thing. She was like, not right. right. So that's interesting. Yeah, excuse me, that's 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 correct. Thank you. Um, but yeah, what a what a powerful fucking scene here. Kate Siegel masterclass. Uh, Zach Guilford masterclass. Uh, Flanagan masterclass, of course. Um, Hamish, but, he's in the scene. Ha- Hamish ain't in it, but you know Hamish, Crystal <laughs> Boleyn, ma- just again, fucking masterclass. Um, 
And yeah, um, Pruitt recovers, goes to Mildred. This is John? Like, <laughs> oh, crap. Because obviously Mildred's starting to get better here. Um, yeah. But he's starting to get sick still. And there's a lot of questions going on with his health now. It's like, okay, well, he died. He came back to life. He's just going to keep dying and coming back over and over yeah. again. Like, what the, what, what's, what's his deal? Um, but um, they, there's this scene um, with, with Joe, who is a character. We didn't know what we wanted to do. But at this point, we're rooting for him. We're rooting for him oh, to, yeah. to recover and, and turn his life around. Um, and... He goes to visit uh, John. I, I'm going to Paul. It's John now, everyone. Yeah, it's it, John now. It's Pruitt. Um, <laughs> and Joe's like, hey, I felt like drinking. Like, I thought I would come see you. You would help me. And, like, the first time in his life where he was like, let me let me just do this. Like, I think this is, yeah. the, I think this is the right thing to do in my situation. I don't know. I've never been here before. Um, yeah. And he goes there to his house, um, the, the same one from the end of episode three. And they they have an embrace, and you start to get again something's not right with Mister Pruitt, um, yes. because he won't let go of him. Uh, Joe falls onto a table, cuts his head open, um, and then my guy Pruitt just f- goes to town, uh, full vampire style at this point. Yeah. And the show is now really starting to lend itself to being like, okay, this is about vampires, like, and, yeah. and religion is a cover for it. But what, how did you feel? Did you think it was vampires or were you just like, what? I don't know what the fuck is going on here. <laughs> so like the entire time, I still just don't understand. I still, to this day, I'm like, is it vampires or is it an angel and angels are evil? I don't know. There's a lot of, obviously a lot of interpretations you could take from this. But at this point I was shocked because one, you know, they're setting Joe up to be now a character. We're rooting for it. We feel sympathy for him. He's doing the right thing, turning his life around. And then, nope, Pruitt, who, even though we were suspicious of him, he was performing miracles. So, okay, maybe maybe he's doing something good. Straight up kills him and then drinks his blood off the ground. So I was just all around confused. I did love it, but I was very confused. Yeah, and it, they, they tried to, like, pass it off as, like, he didn't kill him. It just... It was an accident. He fell, yeah. Yeah, like, like, you know, life alert. He fell down and he couldn't get up. Um, I still am confused as to why he was acting weird when Joe got there. And Joe's like, I can come back if this is a bad time. And Pruitt's like, no, no, come in. He's acting weird. But I still don't understand why he was just squeezing him and not letting go. Yeah, I don't either. It was very concerning. Like, he wanted to do it, but he was there something holding him back from doing so? Like, it's mm-hmm. not on a full, like, character turn um, from from good to evil. We don't know if he's inherently yeah. good or he's chaotic whatever, basically. Um, yeah, and he's drinking blood, so that adds another layer. Right, but we, you know, what we know about vampires, you know, you and I, big vampire fans, um, mm-hmm. we can kind of connect one or two things and be like, okay, my guy is still really sick and coughing up blood because he's malnourished. And that's yeah. because he's undead immortal yada 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 um some drink he needs some 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 nourishment and you know the collins aren't there to help him go feed on wildlife so the blood soup from america <laughs> oh gross ew <laughs> i'm so glad we didn't finish talking about that show <laughs> um but yeah uh 
we're full on in vampire territory in my mind at this point. Uh, but again, I um, at the time I was like, I don't know. Is it a vampire? Is it an angel? And that's the best part about this show and the fact that it's still open to interpretation. Um, yeah, completely. And then we can fast forward a little bit again. Um, Ali gets ready to go to church, which has really upset his father. Um, mm-hmm. But you can also kind of understand from his perspective that he is an outsider in terms of his religious... Um, yeah. Well, outsider in the sense of, like, he's new to town and he didn't grow up here, but also his religious beliefs are, quote-unquote, outsider to what's normal on Crockett. Um, mm-hmm. And he wants and to... he's not white and basically everyone else is white. Yeah. Um, and he wants to just fit in, I would say, more or less. Um, yeah. And Sheriff Hassan is not happy about that uh, at all. Um, and they go to church, and I believe this is the first time Ali goes to church as well. Um, and they're all sitting yeah. there, kind of waiting. Um, Uker and Warren are in the back, like, where is everybody? Like, where, mm-hmm. where's, where's, uh, where's Father Paul? Um, and Bev's like, yeah, where is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where's jo- I, I, Father Paul? Excuse me. Um, and she's like, okay, I'm gonna go look for him. Uh, and she goes to the house because obviously. Um, she knows he's there because there's been another reveal going on, um, here and ties into the blood exploding in Sarah's lab, lab, office. Yeah. Work, office. Workspace. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, on the floor is a dead Joe Collie still. Um, and, uh, John is sitting there kind of distraught with what he did. Yeah, like he's still he looks see- regretful, which is odd. Yeah, but like he wasn't because he was hungry. It's very, very interesting uh, with his character in the scene. Um, it's very like Bill Compton. Like I won't kill, but I need to survive. Right. Very, very uh, interesting direction here. Um, but yeah, Bev's like, okay, uh, let's uh, clean you up and uh, get you up and going for the rest of the day, um, and. The whole kind of reveal is like, well, you know, can't really go to church right now in this moment uh, because, mm-hmm. hey, look. And he sticks his hand to the sun and my man starts to boil quicker than a pot of water that I've ever had. You know, mm-hmm. you know what's, what's the saying? You look, you, you stare at a uh, watch pot never boils. There you go. Boom. Um, <laughs> I used to always say the same. <laughs> and like now, whenever I make pasta, I stare at that. You know, I'm like, yo, let's go boil. You have to go sit down and like watch something and then it'll boil really fast. Right. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that was crazy. If I only looked at it, it wouldn't have happened. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it seems that it's vampires now it's because vampire, yeah. my man is toasting in the sunlight, not sparkling. Um, and that's why the blood lit up because it was mixed perhaps with the blood that John has been giving to all the people at church. As the Eucharist, blood of Christ, because there's a scene where he's like, "Oh, we need more wine." Ooh, interesting. What has he been yeah. doing? In the in I the, did in not the catch that at all. I did not. I did not catch that. It took me a little while to understand. Yeah. It, oh, it's fan. Like, yeah. Uh, I. It clicked for me afterwards. Yeah. When, but brilliant. And I'm sure there's people out there. Oh, they saw it. They knew it all along. It's not that great, guys. It's not that great. Duh. Like, open your eyes, people. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, shit seems to be spiraling out of control uh, for John really, really quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so we have a few more things to talk about. 
of course, the craziest ending maybe ever of this show. And let's take our final break and then we'll talk all about it. So one last thing to talk about before kind of like the ending is Aaron. She goes to get a second opinion on the mainland because, you know, she she's not in denial. But she wants to make sure, like, what the hell happened? I must have had a miscarriage, but I didn't feel it. Like, I didn't. She was, you know, convinced that she didn't have one. But what else could it have been? So she goes on the mainland, and basically the woman, you know, who examined her and everything like that comes out and is trying to explain what's going on. And Aaron's like, okay, yeah, I had a miscarriage, right? And she's saying, like, no, you were not pregnant at all. Which I'm like, huh? I um, was not expecting this. No, me either. I was fully under the belief of, okay, well, the blood that she's been drinking now of Father Paul, John, John Paul, John Paul Jones. John Paul Jones, yeah. Um, saw, wait, what is it? What is it? Yas, Queen. <laughs> For any uh, Bachelorette fans out there. JPJ. JPJ. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, cool. So the blood that he gave her, uh, the baby died because of that. And she miscarried. But this reveal fucks with me. And it fucks yeah. with Aaron. Because, like, and it lends an awesome part to the story. Where it's like, yeah, everything going on Crockett is not fucking normal. Something is yeah. fucking up in town. Um, Something cool, yeah. Right. Because in the real world, you know, we'll say, um, the real world's like, are you sure you were pregnant? Because everything we're seeing shows that you're not pregnant. So, and she's like, do you want to talk to like a, do you want to talk to somebody about this? And I'm like, please don't turn Aaron into a crazy person. Like, let's let's not do this. Like, we don't need her locked up right now. Like, and people thinking she's crazy. Um, And I'd like that they don't go that direction at all. She's like, I'm going home. Something is not okay. Um, And... Yeah, this this also fucked with me crazy. Like, God damn it. <laughs> I know. It's absolutely insane. It's really hard to process. Um, and then kind of some of our final scenes here. We know that um, when Riley was with Aaron before, he kind of slept over. And um, he said, like, I'll be back tonight. You know, we can spend more time together. Their relationship is kind of progressing. Um, but before he does that, he's going to have a meeting um, with Montenegro Pruitt. Um, and when he goes there, Joe Colley is not there. And, um, you know, Riley's a little bit disappointed. He thought Joe Colley was making progress and wanted to get better. So of course he's asking, you know, where, where's Joe Colley? Um, and Monsignor Pruitt just goes and tells him, yeah, she's visiting her sister on the mainland. She couldn't come, which all of us, you know, watching are like, huh? Light bulb. No, she- yeah, no, no. But of course, we know that Joe Polly is dead, and Riley does not know that. So you're kind of sitting there, like, all right, I hope he remembers that. That's not no. That doesn't add up. Yeah, which he does, which I love. Yeah, he does, and it's great because so after their session, Riley leaves. He goes home, talks to his mom, and says, you know, yeah, I'm going to go back to Aaron's. He walks to Aaron's, stands in front of her house, and then says to himself, like his sister like no i i need to confront monsignor prude about this or he thinks it's father paul i need to um confront him about this because he's straight up lying like what the hell was that like a priest was lying to me when he you know did not seem like that type at all so he's standing in front of aaron's and is like fuck that i'm going to the rec center again 
And when we cut to the rec center, we see Monsignor Pruitt, like you said, in shambles. He's not doing well. He's kind of pacing across the room and is praying. And he seems like he's he doesn't know what to do. And he's just, I don't know, desperate. And the angel, quote unquote, the monster from the Jerusalem cave comes. And oh, my God, this shit is scary. Like, it is legitimately scary. He walks in, and Pruitt is like, where have you been? Like, I've been waiting for you. And he's just so tall and ominous, and he walks very slow through the room, goes to, like, a a glass, and I don't know the technical term in church, but goes to the glass and puts his own blood into it because he needed, you know, more wine. And I guess um, Monsignor Pruitt needed more blood so he could get better. Um, and oh my god, scary, it's terrifying. Um, decanter, maybe, yeah, the maybe. Term? I'm like, uh, I don't know what the nicer term is. It's a freaking glass. So our, gonna... our listeners know we don't know words, um, yeah. <laughs> or, but, the or the Bible. Um, but I know, I think I know that uh, lying is a big sin in the Bible. So Riley definitely knew something was, was up when, when my man was lying. Um, but yeah, this for those who are a big fan of Hill House, um, this scene with the monster appearing at the rec center looks straight out of Hill House, and it's classic yeah. Flanagan of panning the camera to follow uh, John as he's pacing back and forth, being like, "Where are you? Where are you? I need you! I need you!" Um, and you know, you're like, "Okay, this guy's gonna appear, and it's gonna scare the shit out of me. I'm ready for it. Come on, Flanagan, let's go!" But it still fucking got me. Um, because of the camera work that he does, fucking brilliant stuff here. Um, and yeah, it's like he falls down on his knees praying and like, thank you, angel, angel. man, Dracula, <laughs> Nosferatu, whatever you are. For, I, like the fact I can't deal with Nosferatu in back to back shows that we're reviewing. But um, he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and as that's happening. Um, he's praying, he's thankful what's going on, and the monster is still standing there. He's just, he's just chilling. Um, and the thing that we, like, we're sitting there as viewers screaming, no, 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 because we know Riley's heading to the rec center to confront Paul, John, Paul, John, John, Paul. Um, Mm -hmm. and as he gets there, he looks inside, and there's John, still on his knees praying, and the monster is standing at the table, I think still filling up the decanter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's, Riley's like, what the hell's going on in here? Like, what what's this all about? And this scene is so good. It's so good. Because Hamish turns to Riley, and in this moment, I still had no clue whether he was good or bad. But this... Yeah. Rem- this for me cemented the fact that there was still good in his heart and he was trying to do the best for what he thought was best in his own twisted world still. Mm-hmm. Um, because he looks at Riley and goes, oh no. And the monster turns around and is like, who are you? And Riley's like, the fuck are you? <laughs> um, and the monster flies at him and fucking eats Riley right in front of us. Yeah. Um Fucking, duh, 20 out of 10, I agree. <laughs> I know. Also, they left the door just wide open. Like, anyone yeah. who's 
No, it wasn't a problem. It was just funny. But I understand that Pruitt had other things on his mind. So yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll give it a pass. I feel like normally oh, we'd yeah. be like, "What are you doing? Shut the door!" Like maybe Day of the Dead, we would have been like, "Shut the door! What are you doing?" Nah, cool. You want to leave the door open, Flanagan? Sure, sounds good to me. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, man. what a fucking scene! What a fucking another cliffhanger banger to end on because, like, I thought they couldn't top three they topped it with four um and your heart sinks and drops and goes and all over the place because we were like like wait a second you just kill riley like yeah or like is now like you don't know what's happening um Mm -hmm. like some people like oh well he's just gonna come back like monsignor did right um but you don't know yeah and he was so close to just going into aaron's house and being with her for the rest of the night but he made this decision to be like, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing this time. And yeah. fucking hell, it's so good. I'm sorry for all my language this episode. It, <laughs> it's so good. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it really is fantastic. I've watched this scene so many times. I will say I had to rewind it and watch it again right the first time I watched it because I was watching it on my laptop and I had headphones in and the volume was all the way up just oh, no. because a lot of this is quiet. Right. A lot of the dialogue is quiet. And oh my God, I like screamed and jumped and I was like, oh shit. Like I really think my heart skipped the beat and I was like, I need to watch that again. Holy hell. And you're, yeah, you're for those who don't know, Natalie's not one that's easily scared like that. Like no. it takes a lot to scare Natalie in that, in that sense. And, um, I'm a little easier to scare, especially in the paranormal sense, but this scene fucking, oh, it's so good. And I, I don't know if he says like, oh, no, or oh, I think he says, oh, uh, Hamish. Yeah. And he just looks at Riley and I'm just like, fuck. I know. Like, And I think I think Father Paul knows at this point, he's like, he was like, Joe Colley more or less was in some kind of twisted world expendable. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a sacrifice. Right. Um, but he was like you could tell that Father Paul slash Pruitt was working really, really hard on convincing Riley of just redemption and working with him and doing a good job. And that relationship is my favorite in the show. Yeah. Um. And fucking hell, the fact. Oh, it's so good. A fucking twenty-five out of ten. <laughs> I know. It's fantastic. I don't know. Like, we'll keep talking. Obviously, we'll continue reviewing the the episodes. But this one has to be, if not my favorite, second favorite. This episode is just incredible. Yeah. Um, and as we as we depart a little longer of an episode, of course, um, the this episode and I think episode three, uh, looping the leftovers back in because we talked about mm-hmm. it. Uh, International Assassin from season two of the Leftovers is. One of my top three favorite TV show episodes of all time. Mm. Um, and probably was my number one up until watching the show. But three and four for me are hour, hour and ten, however long they are, masterful episodes of television. Um, and, like, I know there's not going to be a sequel to this because it's a miniseries. Yeah. But, man, I would follow this story to the end of the earth, whatever they want to come up with and talk about. It's... It, this episode is, is brilliant. This is um, I don't always say the height, the highest point of the show, um, mm-hmm. but I could see that argument being like this is where the show peaks, 
Um, and not in terms of performance or anything like that. The ending of the story is still really, really good. But yeah. this is where my emotions were at an all-time high for this show. Yeah, I completely agree. This scene, <laughs> I can't. I just really can't. It's so good. It's so good. And you think of like all the other scares, like Crystal talked about the Ben Neck Lady from... Uh, mm-hmm. Hill House. Your favorite. Yeah. Um, there's some other scenes in, in Bly Manor that are as well are a little bit scary and ominous and stuff like that. But, man, fucking, fucking great. Just yeah, can't say enough. And this was a jump scare, but it actually is like a jump scare with substance, right? It, like, means a lot because you think Riley is dead. Like, it, it moves the story around. I feel like with Hill House and Bly Manor, there were jump scares of just like oh a scary image but it doesn't mean anything and you just like go about your day right or like ghosts appearing out of nowhere um this one just Mm -hmm. it leaves you with it because you don't know what's going to happen you're in your in the deepest part of your heart you're like don't kill him don't kill him don't kill him he's Mm going to die but you're like maybe he's not because maybe like maybe john has some control over the angel and the angel's here working with him yeah, for they name. have some type of good relationship. Yeah, they're, they're, on, a, they're but... on a first name basis, right? right? Even though he doesn't know his first, like, the angel knows John's first name, but the, he doesn't know the angel's first name. But they're, they're best buds. You know, they went to college together. They've roomed. <laughs> exactly. So, of course, we do know what happens next, and we're going to get all into that next week when we continue with our review of episodes five and six. And like Max said at the beginning of this episode, we'll leave episode seven for last because of course we'll have so much to talk about so before we say goodbye do you have any final thoughts max except for this is incredible it's incredible um (laughs) first uh, episode three nine out of ten i think uh as unbiased as i can give of a grade i think nine out of ten for that episode uh Mm -hmm. this episode we're gonna break the scale we're both gonna say 20 out of 10 because amazing by far i think the best episode best thing we've ever reviewed for this show yeah. So far. You know. I think. Yeah, I completely agree. Did we review Invisible Man together? We did. Uh, did we? I think so, and I think we gave it a 10 out of 10. Yeah, we loved that movie. That movie was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I think this is going to go down as the best thing we've ever reviewed and watched uh, for this, this podcast. Fucking, podcast yeah. fucking brilliant. Fucking brilliant, mate. 10 out of 10 <laughs> across the board. Yeah, I'm definitely very, very happy. I'm just happy that this show exists. Same. Thank you, Flanagan. (laughs) So, yeah, if you've enjoyed this show as much as we have, be sure to continue listening as we continue to review it. And, yeah, it's just we're overwhelmed with emotions just talking about it. So definitely if you haven't seen it yet, sorry, we got into spoilers, but definitely check it out. Encourage people to check it out because it is fantastic. And, Make sure to tune in next week where we continue with episodes five and six. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.